Thank you, Kylie. It's good to be here with you guys. I titled the message today, just see who you listen to. As a dad, some of your parents, you know, sometimes having your kids listen to you is kind of tough. I remember the time my wife reminded me today or of it this morning of when Brent's first car, we had to remind him to check the oil as a lot of times kids' cars in high school have a lot of miles maybe. And so uh, check your oil, check your oil, check your oil. And to this day, if you go on Road 68, the exit on-ramp that goes around to the highway, you'll see an oil spot where he forgot to check the oil and blew the engine there on the on-ramp. And I think the oil spot's still there. And that was like 15 years ago. I don't know, a long time ago. But, but uh, sometimes he didn't listen uh, and doesn't listen. But it's, uh, it's uh, one thing that we're really proud of Brent Forrest for marrying her. And he did listen there, and uh, the girl next door, and uh, we, we love Kylie. She's a sweet, sweet girl, and, and, uh, and we love having them in the Tri-Cities. Uh, some of you know Brent used to be our youth pastor at our church where we pastor, and, and then went away to Seattle and, and uh, saw the light and came back uh, to the Tri-Cities and planted Eastlake. And... Uh, I told the early gathering today, it's been a while since I've spoken here. Uh, it was that this morning when I mentioned that to the guys in the sound booth. I think Andrew piped up and he said, you must have been really bad then because your wife has been here several times since then. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, that's true. And uh, so she, uh, she is, is a great speaker. She's here today as well. But we've been cheering you guys on uh, across the, from across the river. Um, and what you're doing and uh, planting this church and helping um, your friends and uh, people who don't like church and maybe wouldn't go to my church, but they'd come here. And uh, so that's awesome. And to get to meet some of you today and, and uh, see how you're serving your community and, and making a difference and pointing people to Jesus. That's the key right there. And we're grateful for that and to be a part of that uh, at a distance. Like I said, we're pretty proud of Brent and Kylie, and, uh, and one of the things that I've discovered in the years that Kylie has been married to Brent is I have found out what she loves. She loves any kind of fish, and so I'm a fisherman, a fly fisherman, salmon fisherman, whatever, and, and so uh, I try to keep her stocked with fish, but I also know her favorite fish is Swedish fish. And uh, these, if you want to get anything from Kylie, just hand her a package of these when the kids aren't around so that she can tuck them in her purse and eat them in her own private. Those moms know what that's all about. But uh, Swedish fish, I try to keep her stocked in Swedish fish. So Kylie, this is for you, my friend. We love you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Brent was our first child. As you can see in the picture, I used to have black hair. People don't remember that, but Brent caused a white to come on and a loss uh, in the process somehow, but he was a great kid. He, uh, we homeschooled our kids for a while, and, and uh, he was the kind of the launching of that, and, and, uh, and he loved to read. He's always been involved in sports, and he's funny. He's got a quick sense of humor, easygoing, smart like his mom, and and uh, he loves to fish with his dad and hunt with his dad and play baseball. And uh, he has a tender spirit. Some of you haven't maybe seen that side of him, but 
I remember as a dad, you know, you're trying to do your best. You want your first child. You're trying to do everything right. And, and uh, disciplining Brent, it was, I got it down to where all I had to do was give him this. The look, you know, the look. And he would pull back. Now, the other, the other child in the picture, the daughter, that's a different story. Um, but we won't get into that because she might watch the video. But um, we always would tell Brent, you know, remember who you are and whose you are and make your father proud in the process. And, and, uh, and we've been excited to see him live that. And you are blessed to have him as your pastor. And Kylie is his uh, helper walking with him in that process. And so that's awesome. What is it? <clears throat> I want you to think about this as we begin this morning. Uh, one thing that stops us in our tracks as we pursue our dreams, as we pursue life, what is it that keeps us oftentimes, one little four-letter word that keeps us from chasing after that thing, whatever it is, it eludes us. It's fear. Fear oftentimes handicaps us. And the truth is, some amount of fear is not bad. It, it sometimes can be good to have a certain amount of fear in our life. It keeps us from doing stupid things. You know, hold my beer and, you know, you're whatever. You try something stupid on it and we get that. But fear also can help and cause our faith to be capped, to be stuck in a bottle. And it can keep us from, from stretching our faith and trying something new. Uh, think about how many things in life that you didn't do because of fear. It held you back from doing something. Think about how many people you chose not to share your faith in Jesus with because of fear. That affects all of us as well. Well, today we're going to look at a guy in the Old Testament, <clears throat> from the Old Testament, named Gideon. It's in a book tucked in the Old Testament called Judges, and it's Judges chapter 6 through 8 is the storyline, but uh, that's where I want us to land in just a moment. But God, remember this, 2 Timothy 1, 7 says this, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. One translation said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. But he says it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline. Hang on to that. You may want to write that down because that may help you in the future. Speaking of helping in the future, one of the things I like to do as a pastor, I've been doing this for about 40 years, and, uh, and, and part of the process in this journey is I'm still working on my journey. I'm still getting to know Jesus better today than I knew him yesterday. Some of you are on that journey. Some maybe aren't there yet. You're just kind of kicking the tires, checking out the claims of Christ. That's good. This is a good place for you to do that. Before I get into the message, I want to I point something to you that may be a help to you. And it's been very helpful to us. We just discovered it last year. It's called thebibleproject.com. <laughs> and this, you can go on the, the apps in your iPhone or whatever. And it's free download. I've done it on my uh, iPhone. And it's a great tool for daily Bible reading. It's a great tool. It's like a, to help connect the dots of Scripture. Sometimes maybe you read somewhere in the Old Testament. You go, eh, it just doesn't make sense. Why is that? Why does it? And you don't know why you can't figure. They, these guys, it's two brilliant young entrepreneurs out of Portland, Oregon. One of them has a PhD in Semitic languages, and the other one's an incredible artist. 
and they capture, they put together book by book through the entire scripture, the thread, they help you see the thread or the theme pointing toward Jesus through all of the scriptures. And they help connect the dots in such a marvelous way. It just brings the Bible to life. And I think you might enjoy that. I, I lead a small group of guys on Wednesday morning, and we're walking through it, some of the people in our church, and my wife and I found it very valuable, and so we share that with you as just a resource for you in your faith journey. I was reading this past week in Judges, the book of Judges, and came to Judges chapter 6, where I was reminded of this story of this guy, a young guy named Gideon, and uh, some of you maybe are familiar with the story, others have never heard the story, so let me give you a little bit of the backdrop on the storyline as I titled the message, Who Are You Listening To? Because of this story. And Gideon, I wanted you today, as I share the backstory, to help you understand better and appreciate what he did for God and God called him toward. And uh, and fear was a very big part of his life and, and can hold him back just like it can hold us back, could have held him back. But the book of Judges is a storyline. It's a group of people, the Israelites, and they would, they would fall into this cycle. So much of life is full of cycles. And their cycle looked something like this. They would drift from their faith. They would drift from their relationship with God. And pretty soon God would remove his hand of protection upon them. They would then be pillaged by neighboring warring people. They'd come in and just devastate their fields and and so on. And the Amalekites were the one in the story here that came in and just ravaged their country and and their land and and their belongings, everything. And it was just devastating to them. And, And so as that would happen, then finally they would have enough of it and they'd reach out to God and say, God, help us. And the cycle would begin to turn as they prayed and asked for God's help. And God then would show up again as they turned to him. He'd hear their cry and he would offer them help. And he would end up raising up people to dispel and to kind of push away those that had come in and ravaged their land. Those people that he, he used in that regard were called judges. Now, when we think of judges, we think of a courtroom scene, an attorney that's kind of moved up the ranks and they become a judge. And, and, but in this situation, it's a different term. They were, they were kind of like the strong people that God would use to, to raise up an army and do, and do the work and so on in it. And so, and deliver their nation from their oppressor. So as Judges chapter 6 begins, the story of Gideon, we see they were beginning this prayer cycle. They're beginning to recognize we need God's help. And so they turned and they prayed to God and God allowed, had allowed the Midianites to, to kind of overpower Israel for about seven years period of time. And God tells them through an unnamed prophet to, to let the nation know, here's why you're suffering is because you've turned your back on me. And the consequence of turning your back on me and saying, kind of stiff arming God and saying, I don't need your help, <clears throat> but trying to do everything on your own. That is what's caused you this dilemma you're in right now. And so then they reach out to him. And in Judges chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, the angel of the Lord came and he sat under an oak that was in Oprah, not on Oprah, but in Oprah, and which belonged to Joash, Abiezrite. 
and his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, those of you that have been to wineries and maybe been to the, the crush or whatever, the, you, you know that, that what they do now is a little different than they did then. Then it was stone, and they had an, an area with a depression in it, and they'd put the grapes there, and they'd stomp the, and make the wine. And so a wine press was a kind of a depressed kind of an area that they would do this. You didn't thresh wheat in a wine press. You crushed grapes in the wine press. For the wheat, you'd go on a flat surface and spread out, and, and you would lift the wheat into the air, and the chaff would blow, and the wheat would fall to the ground. They'd gather then the wheat to make their bread or whatever it was they were doing. You didn't do it inside of an enclosed, you know, kind of a cylinder of a wine. It, it wasn't where you did it. But that's where he is. And it goes on and it says, in order to hide from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Keep hanging on to those words, valiant warrior. In verse 14, it says the Lord turns to him and says, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. I'm sending you. You're the guy. Ever feel like you're not qualified for the task before you? Do you ever feel like you're not up to the task? Like, you must be mistaken. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Know this. Understand this. You do not have to let fear stop you when you're facing a challenge or facing a task that you may feel like I'm not qualified for. Don't let fear keep you back. God knows your potential. God may be using that boss, maybe using that spouse, maybe using that parent to encourage you to reach your potential for God. He may be calling you valiant warrior, maybe calling you out of a wine press, and you may not realize it. You see, what is that thing that's keeping you from applying for that job? What is it that's keeping you from, from chasing that dream? from trying something different than what you've been accustomed to. Oftentimes, fear is what keeps us back from experiencing that. And we can tend to think, well, I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And fear settles in around us. Here we have Gideon. He's hiding in a wine press, trying to avoid detection of the enemy, the Midianites, while he's threshing his wheat. So the angel of the Lord appears and looks at Gideon and says in verse 13, those two words that changed his life, valiant warrior. He called him to that, to become a valiant warrior. Interesting greeting for someone who is timid, someone who is ashamed or hiding and fearful. Interesting. I imagine when I read it, I sometimes when I read scripture, I read between the lines and I could very easily put in the margin there. You talking to me? Are you sure you got the right guy? And sometimes we can feel like that. What I've discovered in life is this fear does not lead me to peace. It doesn't equal peace. Fear equals anxiety for me, not peace, not a settledness but more of an anxiousness. 
And God's peace in my life, in your life, is a gift. And that peace that he offers to you, that he gives to you, is not simply based on knowledge, how much knowledge you have. It's not not even necessarily your faith. It's a gift. And and can give us that, that gift of faith and peace in the midst of life can give us courage to take a next step. Even when we don't feel confident in making it. It can help us overcome that fear, that threshold that's keeping us back. You see, what I've discovered is this. God's peace goes beyond our understanding. And what his peace can do is it can, it can guard my heart from fear getting controlled. The brain likes to cause me to fear and make me wonder. But God's peace can guard my heart and to take a stand or take a step in the midst of uncertainty. There's a scripture, it says this in Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In Christ, that's a great verse. That'd be a great verse to write down. That would be a great verse to, to write out and put on your mirror. Or on, somewhere where you'll see it often. Because we need to be reminded of that. What's interesting in the world in which we live... We get peace and we gain peace from understanding. What do you mean? Well, you have something that's been causing you pain and you're not sure of it. It's kind of a lump there and it's causing. And so what do you do? You go to the doctor. The doctor examines you and after examining you, does some tests and comes back and says, well, this is what that is. And if you take two of these or you do this, then you'll be okay. And what do we get? We get peace from that understanding, right? That's the way that works. You, you, there's, a, there's a noise in your car and your wife comes to you and says, hey, there's a, there's a noise. My car's making a sound. It's unusual and we need to take it to the mechanic. And so you get in the car and it sounds fine. <laughs> That's the way it works in our house. But, but no, when there is a noise in the car, what happens? We take it to a mechanic and the mechanic puts it on and it does these tests and comes back to you and says, oh, this is what it is. Brent, put oil in your car. No, but it says, this is what it is. This is what you need to do. And so once we have that understanding and we have a confidence in our mechanic, then what happens? There's a peace. We don't worry about it anymore because they've helped us understand and that brings peace. But God's peace, as we saw in the verse, surpasses understanding. It goes beyond knowledge It goes beyond experience, and we can't sometimes explain it. Well, how come you have such a peace in the midst of this? God's helping me with it. His word has given me. He's given me a courage, a confidence in it. The Bible says I can have a peace even without understanding, without knowledge, because I have him, and I can lean into him. So I ask you today, where in your life do you need his peace today? Where is it? Maybe nobody else knows it, but you know it. There's an anxiousness. There's an angst. Where is it that you need him to step in with peace? We tend to either underestimate ourselves or overestimate ourselves. But God sees our potential. I like that. He saw potential in Gideon. (coughs) He saw a valiant warrior. 
I wonder if anybody else ever told Gideon that. I kind of doubt it. But God saw that and lifted him to that. God wants to do that in your life. He does it in my life. And he gives me the courage and the faith. And he gives me a peace in the midst of stepping into what may be uncertainty. And he wants to do that for us. Why? Because God always has your best interest in mind. He wants you to succeed in business. He wants you to succeed in your marriage. He wants you to succeed as parents raising your children. He, he loves you. And he wants you to know that. And uh, so when God saw Gideon, he saw a valiant warrior. It changed Gideon's demeanor. It changed his countenance. It changed his outlook. And I wonder what God wants to do in your life through speaking that to you today. Now, I love verse 14, but I need to read verse 13 before verse 14 because that really helps 14 to come off the charts. You see, because it says this in verse 13. Gideon says to him, the angel, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Why are the Midians eating our lunch? Why are they taking us out? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and turned us over to Midian. Now stop there for just a moment. That's the why question. You ever ask God that why question? I have. I don't understand why this is happening. And I look at God and I go, why God? I thought it was supposed to go this way. And it, doesn't it isn't necessarily going that way. But look at verse 14. The Lord turns to him and says, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Go in the strength you have. You bring something to the table. God's not just going to go... He's going to use you to make and bring this about and recognize God has your interest in this thing. He's leading you. He's sending you. In other words, he's saying, hey, dude in the wine press, I'm going to use you to deliver Israel. Unsuspecting. But he says, go in the strength you have. God was going to empower Gideon, but Gideon had to bring something to the table, not just abdicate responsibility, but he had to use what God had given him. And trust God. You know, the longer I've been in my faith journey, the more I've realized, more than God wanting my happiness, God wants me to learn to trust him. He's more concerned with me learning to trust him in the midst of what may be going on, in the midst of the circumstances, to trust him. Is it easy? It's not always easy. But learning to trust him, and that's what Gideon had to do. God saw the hidden potential of Gideon, and he was going to tap into that potential. And uh, so he, here's, a, here's a thought for you. Don't let fear stop you, because God sees your potential. Your best interest, he always has in mind, and he'll help you to reach that potential. Learn to trust him in the midst of it. Learn to trust him. And know this, you don't have to let fear stop you, because God is with you even when it does not appear so. Gideon gets this awesome introduction. He gets the courage to step into it.
But in the midst of that, he does something that sometimes we do too. He kind of lays into the angel, if you look at it. He, he kind of lays into him, and he offers him two things that are similar to how we would do it today, kind of letting fear take control in the situation. First, Gideon challenges the contention that God is with me. You can hear him almost say, oh yeah, you're with me, huh? Then why are the Midianites for seven years beating us up and just wiping? It's just, how, how can you show us you're with you? with us in the midst of this. And sometimes, do you ever do that with God? Have you ever done that with God? Where you find yourself almost shaking your fist and saying, oh, don't you care? Don't you give a rip about me? Or questioning that he's even with you. I'm reminded of the verse that says, God never leaves you or forsakes you. If you, again, you trust him, he'll never leave you or forsake you. He sticks closer than a brother. And he wants us to know that and be reminded of that truth. Uh, he even knows where you are. He knows where you're going. There are no surprises with him in that process, in that journey. We become fearful of what God has for us when we don't think he's with us. That's when fear raises its head and causes that wolf to look bigger than he really is outside the hut. And that's what happens in life. I can picture Gideon getting rather indignant in this point. And he says, where are all of these wonders that our father told us about? I'm not seeing it. And you're telling me the Lord is with us? I just don't believe it. And he continues on saying, God, it appears you've abandoned me. You've abandoned us. Know this. When you feel abandoned by God, Fear will rule your life. When you come to that place and in your heart, in your brain, you feel like you're abandoned by God, fear will begin to rule your life and the decisions that you make. And if you are here and maybe you think God's abandoned me in my marriage, uh, you'll give up on it. If you feel like he's abandoned you in your dream of chasing that business deal or that new job or whatever it would be, your family, when we feel alone, when we think the circumstances are too big for us to be victorious in the whole thing, we'll hide in the proverbial wine press. And maybe that's where you are today. And I trust this morning that rather than duck your head and hide in the wine press, you'll raise your head and you'll hear his words to you, mighty warrior. Step out of that circumstance, that situation. Trust me. Trust me. I'll help you. <clears throat> I love looking at verse 14 because it's as if the angel ignored Gideon's objection in verse 13. And he says, now get to it. Move it. Let's go. Verse 15 and 16, he says to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family's the weakest of Manasseh, his family name. My family's the weakest, and I'm the youngest in my father's family. But I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You'll strike down Midian as if it were one man. You see, you don't have to let fear stop you because God will help you overcome your perceived shortcomings. He's trying to convince the angel, like sometimes we do, I'm not the person for this job. He says, I'm the weakest of the weak. And, you know, in that culture, the big brother 
was responsible to kind of help take care of things in the process. And he's kind of, in essence, referring and inferring that big brother. I'm just a kid. I'm just the youngest of it all, kind of passing the buck. But you don't have to fear God because he'll help you overcome and work through your real as well as your perceived weaknesses that sometimes we all have, again, as we learn to trust him. Remember this, God will give you what you need right when you need it. If you lean into him, when we feel inadequate, we will allow fear to keep us from carrying out what God has for us, his calling for us. Believe me, I can understand that. I, get, I relate to that, the feeling of inadequacy, whether it's parenting and trying to raise your kids in and, 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 and this way and whether it's leading an organization, pastoring a church, or, or whether it's being the husband that you believe God wants you to be or the wife. He says, I'll be with you. The Lord says to him, you don't need to fear and you can deliver for the Lord because he'll help you. He'll help you overcome your shortcomings. What is it you're facing today? What is it that's right before you that looks overwhelming? I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what it is. What is it that stirs the fear in your heart and you need faith this morning? Is it a relationship struggle? Is it family issues? Is it a health challenge, maybe, that the doctors have told you about? Is it financial problems? Maybe it's a dream that you've always had, and you're at a place now of facing that dream, and fear has caused you to duck into the wine press. <clears throat> Israel was reaping the seeds of disobedience and rebellion towards the Lord. God had lifted his hand of blessing, and finally they'd come back to a place where they recognized they'd turned their back on God, and they realized I need, we need to look to him and to trust him again. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You found yourself running from him, stiff-arming him, leaving him at a distance. And yet just possibly this morning, this story from Gideon, the Holy Spirit's drawing you to a place where you recognize things need to change. And today they can begin that change. Are you feeling like you're in that cycle? You're at that place, running from God, feeling abandoned, overwhelmed? Is it time to trust him? Heed the words of the angel of the Lord to Gideon and hear my words this morning. Is God trying to help you today? Is that why you're here this morning? God knew you'd be here to give you a word, to give you encouragement, hope. Who are you listening to this morning? Is it fear? Is it yourself? Or are you listening to the Lord as he speaks faith to you into your heart and your spirit. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, as we close this gathering today, Lord, I pray for each one in this audience. First of all, I thank you that they're here this morning and you have a way of bringing a story from many, many years ago and bring it to light and uh, that you, I pray you do that this morning for each of us. And may the words you spoke to Gideon, may they speak to our heart, to our spirit, and instill faith where we need faith, and hope where maybe things seem hopeless. And I pray for each one of those who today are making the decision to trust you.
Maybe it's the first time. Maybe it's the 50th time. But that they're leaning into you and trusting. And help them today to answer that question, who am I listening to? And I ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen.